I'm Art Bell, and coming up in a moment, Zachariah Sitchin. He only has a limited time with us, and so we're going to try and cover as much as we can, as quickly as we can. All right, no delay. Now to New York, and here he is, Zachariah Sitchin. He should need no introduction. Those of you who um, have for years read this genre of material should know him, The Twelfth Planet, Stairway to Heaven, Genesis Revisited, um, The Lost Realms, When Time Began, The Earth Chronicles, Genesis Revisited, uh, uh, just unfolding now, not a rehash of current events, but a factual account of divine encounters. That's what this book is going to be about. Uh, moving also into um, all kinds of uh, metaphysical areas, even touching on the uh, on the current uh, rage of angels. And here he is uh, from New York, Zachariah Sitchin. Welcome to the program. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Uh, it is a great honor to have you on. And you. Um, we, for about two years now, people have been asking me to get you on. So here you are. I'm not going to waste any time. I'd like to begin at the beginning, if we could. The Twelfth Planet. Uh, is it Dr. Sitchin? Well, Mr. Voodoo, Zechariah Voodoo. <laughs> um, what is, in a nutshell, if you can do it, the theory of the Twelfth Planet? What is the Twelfth Planet? Well, you just said that not to waste time, you want to start at the beginning. And this is really uh, starting at the beginning. Because according to uh, uh, ancient texts that have come to us from Mesopotamia, today's Iraq, going back almost 6,000 years, they uh, provided us with a cosmogony dealing with how the solar system came into being and tell us that uh, soon after the solar system, uh, where we are, our part of the universe, as soon as it uh, came into being about four billion or so years ago, an invader from space, a planet ejected from its own solar system somewhere else, was passing by, was drawn into the center of our solar system, uh, had a collision with another planet that existed at that time between Mars and Jupiter. In that collision, half of that other planet uh, was smashed into bits and pieces, became mostly the asteroid belt that still uh, orbits between Mars and Jupiter. Part of it became uh, a comet that visits us from time to time, and some of those comets are in the news. And the other half of the destroyed planet was uh, shunted or thrust into a, a, a new orbit and became our planet Earth. That invader, which was called in the ancient text by the Sumerians, Nibiru, which meant planet of the crossing, later renamed by the Babylonians in honor of their national god Marduk, uh, became also a member of the solar system with a vast elliptical orbit that lasts about 3,600 years, uh, 3,600 of our years, yes. because to that planet and whoever might be on it, one orbit is just one year. And that explains uh, such other problems as the so-called immortality of, of the gods from Greek mythology, etc. So that planet uh, became uh, a member, and according to the Sumerians, the twelfth member.
member of the solar system because they counted uh, the sun. They said this is the family of the sun. They included the moon as, as, a, as a member in its own right for reasons that are given in those ancient texts. And, and ten planets, the nine we know about, and one more, the twelfth member. So, though from our astronomical viewpoint, it would be the tenth planet. It is the, the planet which is the twelfth member. So, the uh, publisher of my first book, and by the way, it was twenty years ago, I condensed the, this, this title, the planet which is the twelfth member, and made it the twelfth planet. So, this is the story of the twelfth planet, and it goes back to uh, the very uh, beginnings of our own solar system of the Earth and the heavens as we know them. And this is really the source of the biblical tale and the beginning of the book of Genesis. When do you believe this twelfth planet will return? Well, first of all, let me say I believe that uh, it will return because this would be a fulfillment of all the prophecies. Uh, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, and uh, in the writings, uh, the Holy Scriptures of, of other uh, nations in antiquity. What is the uh, best estimate of its return time? Uh, well, uh, can we go to the next question? <laughs> yes, we can. Okay. Um, there is um, a comet that has been discovered by two amateur uh, astronomers, right. now named Hillbop. First thought to be as big as a thousand miles across, now thought to be at least a hundred miles across with a dust cloud about it, uh, 2.5 million kilometers wide. It's big, very, very big out beyond the orbit of Jupiter. They have calculated its return time, very interestingly, at about 3,600 years. Is there any correlation? Uh, Probably, but let me uh, explain why. Uh, the orbit of uh, Nibiru, as the Sumerians called it, that other planet, uh, which uh, is uh, given by them mathematically as 3,600 years, mm -hmm. because these orbits uh, shift, you know, even uh, Halley's Comet, which has a short period orbit of some 75 years, is sometimes 75, sometimes 77, because as the celestial bodies travel in our solar system and are affected by other planets, uh, the, the orbital period changes slightly. So 3600 is a mathematical number that can shift a little either way. Uh, it has a retrograde orbit. Now all the members, mostly, <laughs> virtually all the members of our solar system, in, due to the way they were created, orbiting from some kind of uh, nuclear or nebular cloud around the sun and then coalescing, orbiting in what uh, we call a counterclockwise direction. Mm -hmm. Nibiru orbits in a clockwise and thus it's called retrograde direction right. and, and that's the collision because when one planet, the olden one, orbited one way, Nibiru came in another way, there was a collision. So first of all, this is a, a, a retrograde orbit. Second, according to the uh, biblical prophecies, and I deal with them especially in my book, Genesis Revisited, which you uh, so kindly mentioned, uh, it will appear, or at least according to expectations in biblical times, it would appear when it does return in the um, 
constellation of Sagittarius. Which is where Hellbomb is. Right. <laughs> okay. Now, uh, and, and then it comes in into our solar, into the center of the solar system at an angle, at a maybe steep angle. So um, here we have this uh, so-called comet. I say so-called because nobody's really sure what it is. You're right. That uh, was first discovered by the two amateur astronomers, which, by the way, says a lot uh, for uh, so-called amateurs who have discovered more than the regular astronomers. It is true. Uh, that it, it, it appeared uh, beyond uh, almost where the Neptune is, and it was already extremely bright. Now, as you obviously know and your listeners know, the comets uh, attain the, the, the head or the comma and the tail and become visible uh, only when they near the sun. Yes. Uh, because then it's then when they begin, uh, their material begins to evaporate, etc. Now, out there it, it, it is not evaporating yet and already it is extremely bright. Uh, uh, tens and, and even hundreds of times more bright uh, than, um, for example, Halley's Comet was. Yes. Uh, secondly, it uh, has uh, a retrograde orbit. But let me stop you for one second and ask you, if it must be near the sun uh, for this brightness uh, to be apparent because of the evaporation of the snowball or whatever it is that right. comets have, then where is the energy coming from now to create this brightness? Well, okay, that's one of the enigmas. So that's why I say so-called comet, because uh, a normal comet does not become that bright uh, at all and does not become that bright that far out. So first is the brightness. <clears throat> then uh, there is the retrograde orbit. Uh, then there is the appearance from Sagittarius. And then there is this orbit of uh, estimated 3,500 years, which is pretty close to the 3,600 of Nibiru. Sure is. So I did get uh, many calls uh, out from uh, fans and others who said, is it Nibiru, is it Nibiru? Because <laughs> they and I too... I would, of course, want uh, to, to, to see Nibiru back in our own time. Uh, and I don't think it's Nibiru, because Nibiru, according to all the sources, including current astronomers who, who call it uh, Planet X and have been searching for it, and uh, I deal with that too in my writings, uh, is at least uh, three to four times the size of Earth. Uh, and uh, Hale Bob... Uh, is at least, as you mentioned, 100 miles across. Uh, at some point, uh, the estimates went uh, much higher. If it is a 1,000 miles, as uh, I did here too from my sources, uh, then it is already not a comet. It's, it's a small planet. It comes uh, to, to almost match the size of uh, some of our smaller planets, certainly some of the moons that are planetary size of Jupiter, etc. Yes, present so it's not Nibiru. In my opinion, it is a harbinger of Nibiru. A harbinger of. Uh, if, can I come back now to the question, or do you not wish to answer? No, it? no, no, go ahead, go ahead. If, uh, if Nibiru should return, what would be the effect on our Earth? We, uh, I mean, when I say we, I, I, let me speak for myself, I don't know. The uh, one time, one time when it returned, uh, 
uh, it brought about the deluge, the great flood, uh, that again uh, is, is mentioned and described in the Bible. Uh, but like, uh, as, as other chapters at the beginning of Genesis, uh, the, the biblical description is just a, uh, a condensed narrative of much more extensive and much more detailed Sumerian and Babylonian text. So once it caused the, uh, the catastrophe that is recalled uh, worldwide as the deluge, uh, the biblical prophecies, the Old Testament uh, prophecies about uh, uh, the day of the Lord and etc., uh, speak of earthquakes and other effects on earth. But that, of course, depends where earth is uh, in its orbit around the sun and where Mars and Jupiter are. Uh, when the Nibiru is, it's, it's what is called uh, perihelion, meaning yes. the closest pass uh, near the nearest sun. So if the other two major planets between us and Nibiru, if we are on Nibiru side of the sun and not on the opposite sun, so it is very difficult to predict what would happen. All right. I would like to ask you about this. Worldwide now, uh, I've had many prophets on my program. Uh, Gordon Michael Scallion is a very good friend of mine. And um, he has predicted accurately, I'm sorry to say, uh, the activation of the Ring of Fire. There are volcanoes uh, reported every day now, new volcanoes, Etna, Vesuvius, both in danger of erupting, evacuation orders, volcanoes down in Central America, earthquakes all around the Ring of Fire. What's going on, Zachariah? Ask your prophets. <laughs> I'm not a prophet, you know. <clears throat> I'm sometimes asked uh, what... Uh, you know, in, in, in one word, what would I call myself? Am I uh, a biblical scholar? Am I a linguist? Am I a historian? Yes. <clears throat> Am I an archaeologist? And I'm uh, a little or a lot of, of all of that. But uh, I, I describe myself, <clears throat> sorry, or prefer to describe myself as a reporter. Because due to my abilities or talents, I'm one of, uh, <clears throat> of a handful of people who can read the Sumerian tablets. Uh, so due to, to what I devoted my lifetime to, I'm able to report to people today what the ancient peoples knew and witnessed. And what they knew uh, art was amazing <coughs> because they knew about the complete makeup of our solar system, which is more than we knew about a hundred or 150 years ago, mm -hmm. uh, they knew of and described Pluto, <coughs> which we had discovered uh, 65 years ago, that's all. Uh, so they knew that uh, their mathematics was uh, incredible. Uh, some tablets deal with uh, mathematical calculations uh, to the eighth, to the eighth degree, uh, and, uh, and so on and so on. I mean, so the it is your... civilization is amazing. It is if your... you it... ask them, how could they know that? I mean, how would you know that without telescopes and microscopes? Yeah. They said, all that we know was taught to us by the Anunnaki. Now, that word in Sumerian literally means those who from heaven to earth came. So the, the essence uh, out of what I'm reporting uh, is not just that there is one more planet in our own solar system, uh, because if that would be all, then 
uh, we would not be excited or it wouldn't be more important than the discovery of Pluto 65 years ago. What you are reporting is that there are or were others. That is it. What I'm telling people is that all the ancient evidence shows that we are not alone in our own solar system. In other words, the, the search for so-called intelligent life uh, should not be conducted out there, you know, five and six and ten light years away from us, where uh, even if there, is, there exists a communication or contact, uh, would be uh, impossible or not, not, uh, not a practical reality. But there are others like us on a planet which is a member of our own solar system that comes to our vicinity every 3,600 years, and it is then that there were comings and goings between their planet and our planet, going back to at least about 450,000 years ago. So, so this is what we are talking about, and not just about one more planet. So you are convinced, based on Sumerian uh, translation, that all of this, that this um, ancient civilization that had this science absolutely did exist, and you are convinced of this beyond any shadow of a doubt? That's exactly what I'm convinced of, and I hope that those who read my uh, six books to date, and as you mentioned, uh, one more is coming uh, next month, titled Divine Encounters. Uh, I think the evidence is, is overwhelming. <laughs> so do I, Doctor. Uh, stand by just one moment. We'll come right back to you. It is now the bottom of the hour. My guest is Zachariah Sitchin. When we return, we're going to ask him a little bit about uh, the nature of time. He wrote a book called When Time Began. I believe we just looked 70 light years um, out into uh, space, and we have photographs of the birthing of stars. We will ask Zachariah about that next. This is CBC. We only have Dr. Sitchin for the remainder of the hour, so I'm probably going to hog most of the time. He promises, though, to come back at another time and spend more time with us. And that is the subject uh, for the moment, time. You wrote a book, Doctor, called When Time Began. Yes, I did. Um, we just got... I, have you seen the photographs taken by Hubble? I'm sure you have. I saw them, and they're incredible. Incredible is correct. Um, doctor, when did, how did we begin? Do you, when did time, is there a beginning to time and an end? I don't think so. Uh, I don't think so in universal terms. <clears throat> there is, of course, uh, a universal time, dealing universal time, dealing with the, with the whole universe, which we are now only beginning to uh, see in uh, ever-growing uh, detail. And uh, the, those photographs by the Hubble Space Telescope are really amazing. So there's this great universe, you know, the theories about its beginning are mostly focused on the idea of the Big Bang, you know, that everything was some small, small ball that exploded. Do you uh, subscribe to that? <laughs> uh, based on what I read, because I'm not a uh, astrophysicist, but based by, on what I read, it does make sense. Uh, the question is, of course, uh, what made that uh, a nucleus uh, explode and thus uh, bring about our uh, 
uh, present the, the universe and some of the mysteries in the universe are that the earlier discoveries this year showed that some components of our universe are older than the universe. So where do they come from? So this really art <laughs> leads us to, not to, to astrophysics, but to, uh, to philosophy yes. and to the concept of God. Uh, and again, uh, this, uh, this is a sad, the subject I deal with uh, in my new book, Divine Encounters. Uh, uh, God, God. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, if, if those, and I know that you and uh, your uh, lovely wife, I've read my books from the very first one, The Twelfth Planet. You may recall that I end uh, that book with the question uh, if the Anunnaki who came to Earth from Nibiru uh, created, in quotation marks, created us through a genetic uh, intervention in the process of evolution, if they created us on Earth, uh, us meaning Homo sapiens, uh, who created them on their planet? Yes. Uh, I'm asked many times... Uh, if those, if those visitors to Earth were considered by the ancient peoples as uh, as gods with the small g, uh, did they have a religion? Did they have gods? So these discoveries in 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 space, these discoveries of the universe, really lead us or should lead us, uh, in my uh, opinion, into looking at at where we are in the heavens, where we are in the chain of life not from a chauvinistic point of view. For example, I'm asked many times, how could others like us, similar to us, live on a planet that goes out into space, Nibiru, goes out into space where it's so extremely cold and everything is frozen, uh, and, and, uh, and then comes near us, and etc. Uh, how could life exist there? So the, the, my, uh, my counter question is sometimes is, uh, I wonder what the people from Nibiru thought about us, or, or earlier, uh, more, more primitive uh, hominids, when they came here 450,000 years ago. Did they wonder how could life evolve on a planet so close to the sun? So the whole notion that, that life, intelligent life, can exist only on a planet our size with precisely our chemical components of oxygen and nitrogen, etc., and only at, at the distance from the sun of about 94 million miles that, that Earth is, that only here and not in the immense universe with its diversity of, of, of galaxies and, and, and stars, and each star has, has planets, or most stars have planets, so, so we have to stop thinking in terms of those what I call chauvinistic terms. Egotistical, and, really. Yeah, because uh, we, we are really an insignificant, Earth is an insignificant speck of dust in universal terms. And therefore, when we ask each other, when people ask me, uh, do you believe in God? I mean, first, you have to define God. But uh, in universal terms, of course I believe. I believe that, uh, as the Sumerians believed, and in a way I'm uh, a descendant of the Sumerians because Abraham uh, was a Sumerian who uh, migrated to, to Canaan, and I'm one of his descendants. However, you do believe that um, our creators, I'll just use that word, may be God with a small g? Uh, 
Well, those who used genetic engineering, and again, I'm, I'm relying on very detailed Sumerian text. I did not invent it. I mean, indeed, indeed, any anything and everything in my books uh, is 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 based on ancient text writings and pictorial evidence. The only difference between me and other scholars in this field is that they treat all those texts as mythology. And I said to myself, what if, what if this is true? What if all this really happened? And thus, the books that have the overall title, The Earth Chronicles. So, uh, they came here, uh, they found early hominids, like, let's call them ape men, ape women, I don't want to use uh, the, uh, the scientific technical terminology of, uh, that, that, that is confusing and keeps changing, by the way, with more discoveries. So they found us, they needed uh, workers, they needed manpower, uh, they jumped the gun on evolution and mixing the genes of one of their males with, with the egg of, uh, let's call her an ape woman, an Eve. By the way, that there was an Eve about the time that I said in my very first book, some 270,000 years ago, was confirmed. A few years ago, this year, it was confirmed through genetic uh, studies that there was an Adam, also one single male ancestor, about 2,700 2, years ago. So, uh, uh, I mean, any, anything that the Sumerians told us, uh, that, that there are other solar systems, that, that uh, planets can have more than one moon, that, that, uh, that we have uh, uh, Uranus and Neptune and Pluto, uh, Everything gets corroborated daily, daily, daily. For example, there, there were reports a few weeks ago about confirmation that uh, another star, another sun, mm -hmm. uh, was definitely found out to be to to have a planet That's orbiting right. it. That's and right. the headline was uh, a new discoveries challenge notion of Earth's uniqueness. And 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 I asked, wh whose notion? <laughs> Whose notion is being challenged? Not of the Sumerians. Their notions are being confirmed. So the whole thing really is mind-boggling. It is the is the modern it is the modern notions that are being challenged, of course. Uh, it's uh, the modern notion, indeed. The subtitle of my book, Genesis Revisited, is is modern science catching up with ancient knowledge, and of course it is. All right, this is a philosophical question, but if the ancients that you talk of were to now revisit their creation, our Earth, and, and look at us. Do you think, uh, Doctor, they would consider us to be a success or uh, just an experiment gone wrong? Well, uh, that, that, that is a, <laughs> a very, um, uh, you know, usually the, 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 the one being questioned says it's a very good question <laughs> if he doesn't intend to answer it. But, but uh, it, it's not just a good question, it's a very serious question, and I think it really goes uh, to the core of the issue, because uh, to each one of us who, who, who is born and eventually uh, goes through life uh, till, till the end of our days, and, and struggles and raises a family and, and pays taxes, and looks at the heavens and wonder what's next, uh, will there be wars, will there be calamities, will there be more... Uh, Will will uh, will Earth will will be hit by 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 some of those comets? Uh, will there be more uh, earthquakes, etc.? Uh, the the this the question you ask really goes to the core of it because 
once they are dead, and I believe that their emissaries are already dead, uh, and this, this explains the UFO sightings, etc. You keep answering questions I'm about to ask. Um, I wanted to ask you about that. You believe then this UFO phenomenon is real and represents some sort of uh, monitoring of us? Uh, well, what exactly it represents, I, I cannot say because uh, I was not abducted and nobody stuck a needle in my uh, belly button. Uh, <laughs> and I'm just, uh, I'm just taking the word of those who, who say I'm, I'm, I'm accepting uh, at least part, part of the, uh, uh, of the uh, TV, TV evidence uh, that we see of, uh, of those uh, flying objects, etc. So something is going on, whether it's exactly the way uh, those who claim to have seen or been abducted say it or not, but somebody is back, somebody is back, and I must make it clear in the few minutes we have that these are not yet the Anunnaki, but these are their emissaries, because as I show in my books, such beings uh, with, with, with that, that kind of, uh, of heads, with the big eyes, uh, with, with the peculiar non-human-like skins, etc., and, and, and with, with unclear uh, uh, sexual uh, uh, identification, male or female, etc., were seen and were depicted, and I show the, the, the pictures uh, of those depictions in my book. So some, the emissaries are back. All right, you have seen the photographs, Doctor, haven't you, of the, um, uh, the dissection of the supposed alien at Socorro or Ro Roswell, whichever it was. I saw what was broadcast, yes. And what were your impressions of that? Uh, I still have to be convinced. They were interesting creatures. Um, I am also not convinced, but I have yet to... I would like to be convinced, but I'm yet to be convinced. Mm -hmm. uh, there is more and more and more of this kind of thing coming to us. Are, yes. we, be are we being conditioned for what is to come? Well, what, what I believe is that uh, some, somebody is, is, is uh, scouting us, and this happened uh, the first time that they came here. First they sent their scouts or their robots. By the way, they, they, these, are, these are robots. These are not... not uh, you know, the... Biological. Uh, these are androids, let's call them, okay. Uh, so, uh, so what would happen when the Anunnaki themselves come back? That that was your question. And, yes, sir. Uh, yes. I'm not trying to evade it. Uh, the, the, the answer is not, uh, not clear even to me, because the most described instance of the, of the most, one of the most recent, not the last reason, but one, one of the reasons, and the most described, both in the Bible and the Sumerian text, is the time of the deluge, the great flood. Mm -hmm. And according to the Sumerian text, uh, the, the Bible contains the two personalities, the two leaders, one of whom was called Enlil, meaning Lord of the Command, and one was Enki, meaning Lord of Earth. Uh, Enki was the one involved in the genetic manipulation that led to us homo sapiens uh, being created on Earth. And Enlil was the stricter one, the, the, the one that wanted everything to, to, to go by, by the law and, and, and not to, to digress, etc. So uh, the complaints of Enlil, who instigated the 
notion of not telling mankind that the deluge is coming so that mankind would be wiped off the face of the earth. And Enki connived with his faithful servant and, and worshipper whom the Bible calls Noah, connived to save Noah and his family and some of the friends, etc. Uh, so uh, there were two of them, or whose descendants now lead the Anunnaki, I don't know. Uh, one, uh, the, the complaint of Enlil, which, which he used to justify his suggestion, let, his suggestion let us not tell mankind about the coming catastrophe and let mankind be destroyed, were, were twofold. One, which the Bible stresses, that there was evil. Men became evil. And in the Sumerian text, it says that Enlil complained about the proliferation of mankind, that there are too many of them. Yes. Now, I definitely believe that two factors that would be taken into consideration, whether to give us more knowledge and technology, which was done in the past every 3,600 years, the transition from old Stone Age to Mesolithic, Neolithic, Sumerian civilization. It's always a 3,600-year interval. Uh, that uh, the decision whether to continue that or, or whether to look to our demise again as at the time of the deluge would depend on these two issues. The mankind's evil, and we have seen plenty of it mm. uh, during World War II and the Holocaust, and many repeats of, of those uh, phenomena like now in, in uh, the former Yugoslavia and what's happening in Africa, which yes. doesn't get enough publicity, but the slaughter there is incredible yes. of tribe, tribe against tribe, etc. So the, the evil is obvious. But the other thing, which is really up to us, but we are not doing anything about it, is the explosion of population, overpopulation. So I think that these are two things uh, that we really ought to focus on and try to change the course of mankind before the day, uh, which the Bible called the day of the Lord or, or, or the uh, second coming of the kingdom of heaven to earth. Before that really takes place, uh, we ought to change our ways. All right, Dr. Sitchin, I want to ask you this. In an old movie called The High and Mighty, in the old days when that airplane's going across the Pacific, there came a point around mid-Pacific where they only had enough fuel to go forward uh, to wherever they were going. They could not go back. A yeah. little red light would come on in the cockpit and say, point of no that's, return. That's correct. And uh, has humanity's little red light come on? <laughs> yeah. I'm not a prophet, again, I want to say. Uh, I'm a reporter. Uh, but but uh, we, we were definitely, uh, whether the red light went on or is about to go on, uh, we, we, we are more or less at that point. So we're very close or there. Yeah. Uh, all right, one more question. In your book, The Twelfth Planet, you addressed roughly the, sa the same subject uh, as was addressed in Chariots of the Gods. Somebody wants to know, uh, with regard to the ancient astronauts, how much did, if at all, Chariots influence your writing? Well, it influenced me to, to the point that uh, after uh, spending almost uh, 30 years researching my subject, uh, which the, the research started when, when I was a schoolboy, I, I thought to myself, well, 
if somebody comes and, uh, and explains it in his way uh, what happened and then talks about ancient astronauts, etc. So what's the point in my writing, in my book? And uh, that, that was almost uh, my decision not to write my book. But then I decided that there's really no, no point in all these books, including the book that you mentioned, uh, just to speculate, like say, uh, look at the pyramids of, of Giza now, uh, who could have built them? Uh, you know, all these uh, millions of uh, stone blocks, etc., etc. And when you, the reader or the listener, shrugs uh, the shoulders and says, I don't know, you say, well, only somebody from somewhere else could do it, an extraterrestrial, an astronaut. Now, I felt that to be serious, and I'm a serious researcher, and nobody challenged my facts, some disagree with my conclusions or my understanding of the ancient text, but nobody says there's no such text. I think that unless you say, if Earth was visited, number one, by whom? Not just to say ancient astronauts. By whom? Yes. Second, from where? From where? You can't say, well, uh, the universe must be populated by others uh, light years away. No. From where? It has to be technically uh, feasible. And, and uh, thirdly, to say when, when, I mean, you can't say, uh, you know, in, in ancient times, uh, thousands of years ago, uh, you, you have to, to be specific. All right, Dr. And, and, and finally, why? Why would anybody keep coming and visiting our planet unless there was a reason for it? But and I answer all these questions in my very first book. And you why, also... when, from where, by whom. Yes, and you will also answer them, I take it, and take questions. You're going to be, we've got to go, we're out of time, but you're going to be at Las Vegas Cashman Field Center Saturday, November 18th at 2 o'clock in the afternoon at yes, the, whole, the Whole Life Expo, correct? Thank you for mentioning it. All right, and I will also give the number so people can pre-register. It's 1-800-332-0099. That's 1-800-332-0099. Zero zero nine nine, and we just we did not have enough time, Doctor Sitchin. So you promise to come back, and we'll deal with the issue of time. The issue of time, Doctor Sitchin. It has been a great honor to have you on the program, Thank and I are. I look forward to your coming back. Thank you very much. Take care, my friend. Bye bye, Doctor uh, Zachariah Sitchin. And uh, we got, uh, fortunately, uh, we were able to cover a lot of things that I wanted to cover, not nearly as much as I wanted to cover, but many of the current events that I'm sure you wanted answers uh, from Dr. Sitchin about. So there you've got it. Again, he's going to be in Las Vegas on uh, Saturday, November 18th, and the pre-register number is 1-800-332-0099. In some markets, it's a Rivadarici. For the rest of you, we'll be right back.